0: Welcome to the Valley Beit Midrash podcast, a program of Valley Beit Midrash, a global center of learning and action. We're bringing you the best in diverse, pluralistic Jewish wisdom, all with the goal of improving lives in our global community. I'm Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz. Let's get started. Hi, friends. I'm here today with Rabbi Mike Foyer, who is a rabbi in Israel, originally born in the States, who is an educator and counselor. And um I've been thinking about your work in um, biblical fiction. And I guess the first thing I want to ask you is like, what is biblical fantasy?
1: You know, it's it's a great question. When we started the Age of Prophecy Project, it was an unknown field, amongst Jews at least. There's a world in in the Christian world that's a little more familiar. But the idea is this. We have a deep tradition of narrative exploration. You read the Bible. You ask the average person, did Abraham smash the idols in his father's house? The average educated Jew is going to say yes. Many of them are unaware. Of course, it's not written in the Torah because our sages understood that there's an element of the fantastic, of the creative that you need to use as an exploratory tool to even understand what's simply written. So what we did was we crafted a story and we placed it at the heart of the Hebrew Bible. It's a story that we made, but the the topography of it is the richness of our tradition.
0: Where, where do we see imagination in, in Judaism already?
1: Well, like I said, Midrash is probably the the number one place. You know, the word Midrash, Lidrash, means to seek. And it's an assumption that whatever we've been given in the text, there's more. But that more involves my engagement. What I bring to the table is really what's going to bring me back. We see also a deep thread of it falling through. You can always go up to Hasidut. Mm -hmm. People are very familiar with the sort of very, almost wildly free thinking You can find amongst certain Hasidic masters. Um, And, you know, sadly, it's fallen out in many ways from our educational approach and even from our, I would say, our our understanding of what religion is. Yeah.
0: What would it look like to integrate this into the educational experience more?
1: Well, first of all, it gives, it would look like giving more freedom to our students to engage texts. Tell you a somewhat tragic story. I was once teaching Tanakh and I gave a section, I think it was from Parshish Shoftim, to some students and asked them uh, some series of questions, came back to my... Circling through the Beit Midrash, and I see a young woman who's close to tears. I figured I must have done something wrong, right? You're a teacher, you understand. And I said, What well, is everything okay? She's like, I'm not allowed to do this. And I said, I, I don't understand. Well, just, where's Rashi? Where's Ramban? I said, well, get there, don't worry. I want to know what you think of the text. And what I realized, I was a very young teacher at the time, is there's a subset of the Jewish world that has been trained that you have nothing to say about this mm-hmm. And 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 what I would say is that not everyone has an intellectual Grasp for analytical approach or the knowledge base. Everyone has an imagination. Mm-hmm. Everyone can look at the text and say, "What does this bring up in me?" Yeah, but that requires a certain level of freedom of mm-hmm. engagement. Mm-hmm. So that's the place I would see that it's it's crucially important. Beautiful, beautiful. So how how do we actually
0: expand that capacity for imagination?
1: That is a beautiful question. Um, you know, I, I do think that there is a, an early educational training. It's funny, I, I grew up in a very radical school system where I learned something called scamper. Mm-hmm. You know what scamper stands yeah. for? Substitute, combine, adapt, minify, modify, put together the uses, eliminate, elaborate, reverse, and rearrange. <laughs> right? That's that's from fourth grade. I can remember that. <laughs> Why? Because the teacher would stand up with a tennis ball and a and a <laughs> coat hanger and say, make a lines one to 25. Now tell me everything you could do with this. <laughs> so so the invitation to a freedom of thought, to an assumption that what is isn't necessarily what needs to be. Yeah. And and to basically a building up of confidence, you know, together with humility, but a building up of confidence in our students that what yeah. you think matters. Yeah. We're not gonna rank it against right. the classic commentators and you right. might be wrong. It doesn't matter. First learn how to think, then we'll worry about rights and wrongs. Right, right.
0: So we've been talking about kind of textual imagination. How do you think about this in spiritual imagination or moral imagination?
1: So, you know, the moral imagination is a very interesting question. Um, I, I did some work. I'm also a consultant in certain realms. I did some work for for someone who was working on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Yeah. And um, what we found is that there's, there's an element of encounter that, that if you really want to have a dialogue with another person, mm-hmm. you have to accept the fact that you might not be the same person when you walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Because if you right. go into an encounter with the assumption that mm-hmm. your identity is set, and you're willing to listen to the words, right. but they're not willing to let them penetrate and challenge mm-hmm. your assumptions. So 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 I would say that a moral creativity comes from a, a sense of humility and curiosity and, and a deep faith that 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 everything comes from the Bonus and from God, we just don't always necessarily know what to do with it. Yeah and so therefore having an openness to the invitation mm-hmm. and to being challenged yeah yeah so in your own in your where um where
0: does this intersect for you personally well, like in your own life story in your own uh, religious journey how has imagination played yeah. out for you
1: you know, I was a science fiction fantasy geek growing up. I, I mean, I was. I sh- I still am. I just now i grown up. Um, the you know, and and in particular the world of uh, of Tolkien. But I didn't realize. I don't know if you know, it was deeply Catholic, and his religion infused everything he wrote. I didn't know at the time. I figured he was just a mildly pagan kind of guy. Um, but but what's my point? Is I remember very clearly in seventh grade, one day I'm walking down the halls, and I realized that there's no elves or dwarves. Waiting around the corner, they've yeah. been hiding from me all this time, yeah. and it was crushing. Yeah, it was like it was like a certain light went out in the world. Right. When I encountered Torah and and the idea that the world is actually infinite, and not just as an abstract, you know, Carl Sagan, billions, billions of stars, yeah. but an infinite invitation to relationship
0: mm-hmm.
1: with with a creator who is creative, and that the human capacity, what defines us as divine, is our creative capacity. Mm. right in every sense in, in yeah. whether it's reading writing bad poetry which sometimes i do right <laughs> or, or or it's engaging books or it's simply taking the risk of meeting a new person or like the work that you do going outside of your comfort zone to say i'm going to learn how to care for people i don't know who might actually be deeply unlike me mm-hmm. but that learning how to care is a creation of a new capacity within you yeah and its a, I think it's a deep and hopeful approach to the human experience in general and in my own life per, personally. So that that's really, um, I would say, the where it shows up. Also, on a very sort of simple level, um, it's really hard to relate to an abstract God mm-hmm. without a sense of imagination. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, that's why the prophetic tradition is really at the root of this effort. Mm-hmm. Because the prophets were engaging something which by definition couldn't be shrunk to the size of their consciousness. And so they had to be able to yeah. hold the edge of their imagination, which I mean, from the Rambam on downwards, people who write about in our tradition what prophecy is, yeah. all recognize that the imagination is an essential part of it. Because yeah. how else do we relate to things which are larger than us? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Wow. How do you think about the different spheres of reality, wh- where the reality and the imaginative intersect? And what are the kind of limits of that? So like famously, the Baal Shem Tov says, um, wherever your thoughts are is where you are. Sure. You're in that imaginative. That's that. That's reality. Or Rebbe Nachman can said when we're in the diaspora and we're kind of bringing our koach to a certain spot, we're actually in Eretz Yisrael at that point. Yeah. Right. So like, how do you think about the limits of the imaginative in terms of um, realms of reality?
1: That is a uh, important and loaded question. I think in my heart, I don't recognize any boundaries to human mm. consciousness. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that we construct those boundaries from the earliest age, both for important survival purposes, yeah. I mean, practically right. speaking. Right. Right. Um, but I think also because, you know, religion has become a conservative force in the world mm-hmm. by and large. Yeah. Uh, particularly Torah, in my humble opinion, was never meant to be so. On the contrary, it's, it would be to be Jewish to swim upstream. You know and and so therefore there there is a a sense of the unbounded, and I do believe that humanity has a capacity. I'm a deep believer in the evolution of consciousness mm-hmm. that that we live in a time, even particularly now where we're yeah. starting to see the sparks of it um and I would say I would rather live in the fantasy that human consciousness is unlimited than in a cold reality where I accept limitations mm-hmm. which are self-imposed mm-hmm. very nice, wow, wow so last
0: question on that, I think then are um. What are the implications if we can collectively achieve
1: that? I mean, it, it, it's unbounded. But I would say to me, my my theology, as it were, is relational.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that the the, mm-hmm. the testing ground of of the human spirit, of of moral imperatives, um, of the purpose of creation, is how they bear fruit in relationships. Right. And so, therefore, I think that the stories have always bound people together. Mm-hmm you know, and, and, you know, sometimes the power of fantasy of the mythic is that oftentimes the truth is too large to fit the facts. And humanity has a deep sense that the mythic can bind us together stories that can bind us together. And I think that learning to tell those stories is part of the reason that, that um, imagination has never lost its power. And that we as a people in particular are people of the book, Mm -hmm. people of a story. And and, uh, I have great hope that we'll learn to Tell it in ways in which we'll bring larger parts of the world together. Beautiful, beautiful. Can you just share
0: um, uh, the name of your podcast, the name of the books that people can continue sure. to learn if, from you? If
1: people want to see the books, go to theageofprophecy.com. There's mm-hmm. a website. There's two books We're working on book three right now. Um it's The Lamp of Darkness and The Key of Rain. Uh, and if you want to know more, you can contact me at robmike.com. Um uh, and if you're into the story, you can see the Jewish co. Revmike.com? Yes. Okay, beautiful.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Valley Bait Midrash podcast. Remember that you can join our email list at valleybatemidrash.org to stay up to date on new programs, learning opportunities, and more ways to stay connected. If you enjoyed learning with us today, support our work by making a donation at valleybatemidrash.org slash donate. Join us next time as we continue to work together to build a better world.